Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Vashem, we are learning Bavikama Dav We left off on Dav Tzadikhei, seven lines from the top of the Amid. The Gemara is quoting from the Mishnah. Gazal para me'uberes v'yolda, if a person robbed a pregnant cow and the cow gave birth while it was under the domain of the robber. Now the robber is doing tshuva. So the Mishnah said, the way we explained the Mishnah with through Rashi's interpretation, that based on the din that when a change happens, the robber or the thief acquires that which they stole, so the cow itself he has to return. Even though the cow, when he stole it, was pregnant, and now it's not, that's not considered a change. But the calf going from a fetus to a calf, that's called a shinui. And therefore the calf itself belongs to the robber. So the robber has to return the value that the cow had while it was pregnant when he stole it. For example, he stole the cow that was pregnant. So let's go, a cow unpregnant is worth $100. A cow pregnant is worth $130. A calf is worth $50. So we don't say he has to give him back the cow and the calf. Then the owner would would get back $150. We don't say that. The cow he has to give back. But being that the fetus became a calf, so the Ganaf owns the calf now. So how much money does he have to give back? Not $50, not the value of the calf. He has to give back the difference between the cow now and the cow when it was pregnant. That's the Kshas Hagzel. So he gives him back the cow and $30. That's the key. Versus him having to give back the cow and the calf. Or on the other hand, versus him only giving back the cow. That's not correct. He stole a pregnant cow. He's giving back an unpregnant cow. Good. So says the Gemara that this is really a three-way machloikis tanlay. This is the key to everything. We learned in Rachel. If a person steals a lamb while the lamb was laden with wool, and the thief was the one that sheared the animal. Same concept. In other words, the wool connected to the animal, wool not connected to the animal is a different type of wool. That's a shinui. The lamb itself, he has to give back. But he doesn't have to give back to the owner the value of the wool now. He has to give back the difference between how much was the lamb worth while it was laddened and now that it's not laddened. Upara, or like, let's stick to the case of the cow. Not too many numbers. Or the cow, while it was pregnant, and viold, and it gave birth under the domain of the robber. So says the first Tana of this Braisa, which is Rebbe Meir, Mishalim, Oisa, he has to give back the lamb, the es gizoyseh, and the wool, the es valdoyseh, or the cow and the child. In other words, Rav Meir holds that the robber has to give it all back to the original owner. Now, is it because Rav Meir holds, like we learned yesterday, that Shinoi does not allow the robber to acquire it? Shinoi eino kaina? Right? That Shinoi bimekaima oimed? Or, as we'll see, the conclusion that Rav Meir agrees that the robber really acquired the calf. But we penalize him, not wanting him to benefit from a sin. Because it's going to come out over here that he's going to end up, in our example, $20 ahead. Notice he stole something worth 130. He gave back something, the value of 130, but he ends up staying with the calf that has a 20 additional dollar value. So to penalize him, he has to give it all back, and that will be the conclusion, but more of that soon. These are the words of Rav Meir. 
Rabbi Yehuda, and we're going to learn Rabbi Yehuda the way we learned our Mishnah. That Gezela Chayzeras Be'enel, that he gives back that which he stole as is. Which means the cow he gives back as is. And as we'll see later, and obviously he doesn't get to keep the calf all the way. That's also not right. He gives him back the value, as we explained, between the cow pregnant and the cow now, which will be $30, even though he keeps the calf that's worth $50. We look at the theft as if it was appraised while he stole it. In other words, he stole something worth 130 so we right away look that the robber owes the owner 130 In other words, Rabbi Shimon seems to be saying, Mamish, what Rabbi Yehuda is saying. So on today's Ahmed Beis, we'll learn the difference between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon. And let's start focusing on Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir, who doesn't hold with the time of our Mishnah. The thief has to give it all back. So the question is, as we just spoke out, we inquire, my Tamad Rav Meir. What is the rationale behind Rav Meir? Do we say, In other words, he disagrees with the fact that the robber acquires anything. Yes, fetus to calf is a change. So what? It belongs to the owner. And therefore, give it all back. And really, the calf belongs to the robber. And we want for him not to benefit from his act of robbery or thievery, so we penalize him. Good. What difference will there make? Says the Gemara, a huge practical difference. When the animal now became deteriorated, for example, again, the same, the calf, the, the cow that he stole pregnant was worth 130. And when the calf gave birth, the cow goes back to being worth the original 100. And it used to be when it gave birth, it was worth 50, the calf. But for whatever reason, right now, the calf is only worth 20. So if we're going to say, in other words, it's worth even less. How much money does he have to give him? If we're going to hold that Shinoi is really kinda, in other words, that he acquired the calf. Elamah, we are penalizing him, but the item itself belongs to the owner. So how much money does he have to pay? He has to pay to penalize him the, the $130 that he stole. But if we're going to say that God may it holds, that even though the fetus became a calf, it still belongs to the original owner. So he gives back the calf to the original owner. He gives him back 120. If we penalize him, then he's going to have to give back 130. That will be enough commit. So now, so what's the sheet of Rav Meir? So Tashimam. So let's start. So first we quote a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Gozal Behema. If a person stole an animal, Vihiskina, and the animal got old under the domain of the robber. Or if a person stole an Evid, Vihiskina, one day he or she became old. And aging is, according to the Mishnah, a irreversible damage. Says the Mishnah Mishalim Kishas Hagazela. Tanakama says, Shinui, same concept, Shinui Kaina. So the currently deteriorated, meaning old animal or slave, belongs to the thief. How much money does he have to pay? He has to pay the value of the animal or of the Evet as it was worth when he stole it. Higher amount of money. Rav Meir says that by Avadim, we don't say that. 
by the Eved, the robber can tell the owner, take back which is yours. And like Rashi says, that why is Rab Meir saying that by Avadim he can return it to him? As we're going to speak out in a moment, because there's a rule that Avadim are like Karka, are like real estate. And there's a rule by real estate that real estate is never stolen. So if it was never stolen, it always remains under the domain of the original owner. Here is where we don't say that it changed and it belongs to the Ganif. So it was always yours, take what's yours, and he fulfilled his obligation of returning Veheshev Esaikzel. Now, says the Gemara, the Ilu, the only reason I've made argues with the Tanakama is because of this rule that Evid has a din like Karka. But by the animal, he has to give it back to him, If really Rav Meir holds that no matter, even when, the item that you stole underwent a physical change. It doesn't change the ownership. It still remains under the original owner. Even by an animal, he should be able to tell the owner, Really, And therefore, by the animal that got older, he can't just give him back the animal. And again, why does Rav Meir disagree in our case of the Mishnah with Rav Yudah Rav Shimon? Because it's a knas. Because since it underwent the change to the benefit of the robber, we don't want the robber to benefit. So therefore, he has to give back the calf. Again, he only has to give back the, the, the calf if the calf is worth a lot more money. If the original money would be more, whatever is worse, you, you tell the Ganav to do. So that's Lachoda proof. So Amri, so they refuted this proof by saying that maybe Rav Meir Lidvereim the Rabbanan Karmelo. Maybe Rav Meir is telling the Rabbanan that what? That Lididi, I hold Shinoi Enokaina. That Shinoi doesn't change the ownership. And therefore, even by the animal also, Rav Meir holds, the robber can tell the owner, Hareshel Chalafonecha. Ella, what Rav Meir is telling the Chachamim, that even Lididchu, even according to you, the Amritu that you hold, Shinoi is Kaina, Oidli Mias Ba'avda, at least by the Evid admit, since generally, for most rules, the Kimekarkoi Dami, a Eved Kanani is halachically like real estate, and Vakarka ain't an exalus. To which the Rabbanon tell him, Loi, that for this din, after came a dummy. So there's no proof from this Mishnah. Says the Gemara Toshma, another attempted proof from the Mishnah. We're going to have a few daf later. If a person owned wool and he gave it to a dying plant, and he told the dyer what color they should dye the wool, and the person accidentally made a mistake. Very typical scenario for people in the Shemata business. It happened the whole time. So let's dye it red, and he dyed it black. Shachar, dyed black, and he dyed it red. Now here the issue is not about the value of black and red, which one is more expensive. It's simply that the owner who wanted it, let's say black, doesn't want it red. So what now? So Rav Meir says, that the dyer has to pay him the value of the wool before it was dyed. So he doesn't lose anything. And he has to figure out what to do with the dyed wool. In other words, in other words, what does Rav Meir hold? That the dyer who changed the wool acquired the wool. He acquired it when he dyed it. So what does he owe him the value of the wool from when he robbed it? Now it's not Namashigeneva, but it's as if he robbed it. 
because he changed what he was told to do. So again, says the Gemara, hold on, the mate samurai in, he has to pay him the value of the wool, but the mate samurai v'shiv chayloim, this is genius. If we would say that Rav Meir holds that shinoi eino kaina, if shinoi eino kaina, who does this dyed wool still belong to? To the original owner, even though you changed it. If now, since you were the one that messed up the color, you have to compensate him, so you have to buy it now from him. Now it's already dyed wool. Dyed wool is more expensive than non-dyed wool. All he has to give him money for is the non-dyed wool. So that's a proof that he acquires it. Now, if he did not acquire it, it makes sense that he, the owner tells him, I don't want this. But the, this still belongs to the owner. And if the dyer has to compensate him, he should have to compensate him for the value of dyed wool, which is always more money than raw wool. The moment he dyed it, the dyer acquired it. All he has to pay him for is for the value of the raw wool. Really, again, in the case of our Mishnah and the Braisa that we started out today with, the moment the fetus becomes a calf, the Ganaf acquires it. The only reason the mayor says you have to give him back everything, beautiful. That is one version of the boya and the resolution to this inquiry as to what's the reasonings behind Shitas Rav Meir. Now, there's another whole version. That ha, that whether Rav Meir holds Shinoi is kaina or not, was loyi bayalan, that was never an issue, that was never a question. And why is that? Because me, the apich Rav Since Rav had a different version in the Mishnah that we learned before, regarding a person who stole an animal or a slave that got older. Rav holds that, let's read it inside, that gazel part of Yiskin of Avadam Rav Meir was the one that says, and that's even by an animal. Animal is not like Karka. And if, if Meir says, you only have to, pay, you have to pay back the value as they were, that's a proof. Why? Because he acquired it. The Chachamim were the ones that said that by Avadim, so we see from here, and there, and it's not a contradiction to what we learned in our Braisa that we started out today with, because it's a kanas. You stole. In most cases, a shini means it got older, got worth less. Here, it well, gave birth; it's worth more. Got worth more, you're not going to benefit. However, but even the second version did have a baya. What was the inquiry? This was our inquiry. Is it that we penalize the robber or the thief because he didn't act purposefully? That's wrong. And only when a maze it happened will he be penalized. And we're not going to allow him to claim Shinoi Kainat's mine. But in the case of Shoigig, I'm going to read Rashi, Rashi's example. So the robber is always amazed. So the robber ro robbed something. He robbed a pregnant animal. But the robber sold the pregnant animal to a buyer who was innocent. Same thing. And while the buyer, after the buyer bought it, it gave birth. Now what? Now again, if Rav Meir, since Rav Meir holds, Shagig is maybe you don't penalize someone who did something with the robber robbed an animal again. The cow is worth 100 unpregnant. Pregnant is worth 130. A cow and a calf, 150. So the Ganov stole it. The Ganov sold it to a buyer. The buyer bought something worth 130. The buyer doesn't know it's stolen. And then it gave birth. The shinoi happened when it belonged to the buyer. What would have made it say on the buyer? Again, the cow itself belongs to the owner. The cow he gives back. The question is, does he have to give back the calf? 
which is 50, or only 30. Here he's a shaygik. Maybe the Meir will hold, like our Mishnah in this case, he only gives back 30. He bought something worth 130 that's stolen, he has to give back the value of 130. The additional $20, the buyer gets to keep. No, doesn't make a difference. Knas doesn't always have to do with the gavra, you sinned, you are going to get penalized. Since the chefza, since the calf, the cow and the calf, it's all stolen, so something that is stolen cannot benefit its illegal owner. Even if the illegal owner doesn't know that they own it illegally. Good. So that was the question. Now, by the way, now that we know the mission of the dying, one thing is for sure, that the person who died it by accident, that's a shoigik. He's like a robber, but he's not a robber. And, and that will be the conclusion. But we didn't have this Mishnah brought up yet. Now we're going to bring up other attempted proofs. And finally, we're going to go back to the Mishnah of the, of the person of the wool who died it with the wrong color. So Tashima, the good thing about this, this piece of Gemara is that we're going to learn many dinim. The whole daft today is packed with dinim. Tashima. Now we're quoting a Braisa. And the Braisa says, Hamisha goivin min That are five scenarios where a creditor can only collect from unsold properties. In other words, normally, if I'm your creditor, I have a lien on your properties, and if from the point that you owe me money and onwards, you sell your properties to a buyer, if you don't have money to pay the debt, I can collect it from the sold properties, from the lakuches, from the buyers. But there are five cases that you cannot collect a debt only if the one who owns it still has unsold land. What are the five? Let's go. Number one and number two are similar, so we'll speak them out together. Here's the case. A person stole property. Aganaf. And then he sold the stolen property to an innocent buyer that did not know that it's stolen property. Then the original owner discovers that the property is stolen, so he takes his property back. Now, when the property was stolen, it did not have fruit on it, that's paytas, and or the buyer invested money in the property to make the, to make the property more valuable. The original owner takes it all back. Now, who owes what to whom? Very simple. The buyer, when he bought property from the Ganef, not knowing that he's a Ganef because you shouldn't buy stolen things, he didn't know that. Whenever I make a sale, I'm responsible for that sale. Well, if I sell you land, if someone else takes away that land because it was leaned to a prior loan, that's why we make a search today, then the seller owes the buyer the compensation. So the Ganef, who's the seller, owes the buyer compensation. Now the seller had kosher properties when he sold them that land, and for the value of the property itself, the buyer will take it even from the Lekuches. Understand? In other words, if the moment the Ghanav sold the stolen property to the buyer, he had other possessions, even if he sold them later, since the Ghanav, since that when he sold the stolen property to the buyer, that's every time you sell something, you're right away responsible, that if that property will be taken away, the buyer has a lien on the seller's other properties. But that lien is only to compensate for the value of the land itself. Now, the buyer that has the right to demand from the seller, the Ganev. But by the way, I bought land that was, I paid you 100, it had no fruit on it. When it was taken away, taken back by the original owner, it was worth 120. 
because it had fruit on it, or I invested $20 in it. You owe me that $20, which he does. But when can the buyer collect that $20 from the seller, the Ganef, only if the seller, the Ganef, now has other things, has other land, unsold land. But he cannot collect the Paytas, number one, or the Shvach Paytas from Lukuchais. And why is that? It makes a lot of sense. They're all, all going to work with the same logic. Why is it that the buyer has the right to collect property that the seller sold? Because when the seller sold his other properties, those other buyers should have done a search and should have found out what, what other things did he sell prior that our lands are responsible for and they need to know the risk. But that's a limited risk. They know exactly that he sold prior to that a land. They didn't know it's stolen. But they know that right away if something is going to happen, we're responsible for it. But paytas is an undefined value. How much paytas are going to grow, no one knows. How much money might a buyer invest in the land, no one knows. So it's not fear for the lukuchais to be responsible for a debt that we don't know how much the debt is. And in Lodavar people are going to be afraid to buy land. How can I ever buy land from anyone? I don't even know what my risk is. So, that, so these are the first two cases. And we're going to get back to these two cases to make the proof. Case number three. A man marries a woman that was married previously. She has children. God forbid, in today's generation, she had children even without being married previously. And the current husband in the Ksuba is undertaking to support her children. Now, the Ksuba that a man gives to his wife automatically leans all his property. His property is leaned for the debts in the Ksuba. But this is again an undefined debt. How much Muzoinus is it? We don't know. We don't know how much Muzoinus it is. How much money do people eat? For how long will that go on for? So this is not leaned to the properties. In other words, when the husband still owns property, they collect it even from the property. But if they sell it to the Lekuchais, you cannot collect it from the Lekuchais. It's only leaned to the unsold properties, not to the sold properties. You can collect it from the properties, but if the husband, even owning properties when he took, undertook this obligation, sold those properties to Lekuchais, you cannot collect the Muzoinus from the Lekuchais. It's not defined. Next, the get she'ein Any lien, any loan, a normal loan document, a loan document that the creditor doesn't have in the document the statement that I can collect it even from your properties. So even though those words were not written, our Braisa is of the opinion that Achrayis is not a Ta'o Seifer. There are other opinions that say that whether you write these words or not, every single debt automatically is leaned on the properties. And you don't even have to write that there's Achrayis. And if you wrote it, it's a superfluous. That's called Achrayis Ta'o Seifer. But our Tana holds Achrayis is not Ta'o Seifer. And if you don't write in the document that the lands are leaned to the loan, they are not leaned to the loan to the point that if you sold it, you can collect it from the Lukuchis. Now, if you didn't sell it yet, even though it's not leaned to the properties, but you have to pay. So Bezin will say, sell your properties and pay up. Likewise, Exubas Isha, according to this Tana, She'ein Ba'achrayis. Again, this Tana holds that the Ksuba is not automatically leaned on the properties. You have to write in the Ksuba that it is leaned to the properties, which is what we write today. And this Ksuba did not have those words in it. And therefore, if the husband, after he married this woman, who had then properties, later sold it, 
she cannot collect it from the Lukuchis. These are the five cases. Now says the Gemara, Man who is the opinion that says that if you do not write Achrayis in the document, there is no real Achrayis? That's Rav Meir. So first of all, the author of this Braith is Rav Meir. And where do we find this Rav Meir? It's good to remember this. So Rashi brings from Bava Metziah the following scenario. If you find a loan document on the street, in which it says that Reuven owes Shimon money. That's what it says in the document. And the borrower is being moida, I never paid him back yet. Because if the borrower claims I already paid him back, so who says it was lost by the lender? Maybe it was lost from the borrower. But you would think if the borrower is admitting that he didn't pay back the loan yet, so give it back to the creditor. So that's a machlekes tanoim. Why is a machlekes tanoim? If you hold that achrais lafto soiferu, if you hold achrais lafto soiferu, achrais was not written in, so the lender can never collect it from the lekuchos. That's Rav Meir. Then you can give it back to the lender when the borrower admits that he didn't pay back yet. But if you hold achrais to soiferu. Then you can give it back to the lender even when the borrower says, I didn't pay back. Why? Because maybe the borrower did pay back. Eloma, he's making a deal with the lender, which is that the borrower sold properties. And he wants to get them back. The borrower wants to get them back. But you can't, he sold them already. So what he's doing now is even though he already paid back the debt, he's going to claim he didn't pay back the debt. So it's going to give the lender the power to collect it from the lekuches. The lender will collect those properties from the lekuches and the buyer will give him money. He just wants to get those properties back. It's called the kanunya. It's playing shtick to get something through a lien that doesn't really exist because the debt was paid. Now, being that Rav Meir is the one that holds, that achrais, lafto soiferu. So Rav Meir says, if there's no achrais written in the document, there's nothing to lose. Because the lender will not be able to collect it from the lekuches. So if the borrower is being made, they give it back to the lender. So since Rav Meir is the one that holds achrais, lafto soiferu, our price is Rav Meir. And Viktani, now let's go to the cases. What are the first two cases of the Braiser? Peres or Shvach Peres? Says the Gemara, Shvach Peres Hechidomi. What's the case of Shvach Peres? And that the borrower invested money in the property. Kigoyin, the case that we spoke out. Shegazel Sodom Echaveri. Right? Yankel. Yankel is the Ganefer. He stole the property. Umachrel Achen and he sold it to a buyer. And the and the buyer is the one who put money to improve the property. And now the original owner discovers, hey, my property was stolen. The owner takes it back. In other words, the owner takes the property after it was improved. So now the din is that Kishahu Gaiva, who's collecting from whom? The buyer is collecting the money of the sale that he paid him. And the improvements from the seller, the Ganef, turning to the Aftali Kamali Beis. So here the din is, the money that the buyer paid to the seller, the thief, that he collects from the thief, even if the thief currently doesn't own any property. As long as the thief owned property when he sold the stolen parcel to the buyer, so all of his properties then were leaned, and therefore, even if someone else bought it, this buyer collects it from that buyer. That isn't from Menachas and Meshubadim. However, the S has Shevach, but when he wants to collect the improvement that he made to this property, he can only collect it from the Chasam B'nechayim, from properties that are presently owned by the robber. The Asa, Balara, Vishakil, Vaare, Vishivchay, meaning that the original owner takes back the land with the improvement. 
And my love, and now the Gemara comes to the proof. Hold on. What was the question? The question was, that does Rav Meir apply the Knas even by a Shoigig? So let's assume that the case over here was that the buyer was a Shoigig. And still he'll lose it. It's going to be taken away from him. And we don't say that since he made a change, he acquires it. Now there's one important point in this link, which is that Karka ain't an exelus. So the whole sugi of Shinoi Kaina or Shinoi Lav Kaina, by Karka for sure he's not Kaina. So how is this Bechal relevant to our discussion? It is very relevant. Because there's another rule. That if I invest money in your property without you requesting it of me, but I'm not a Ganif, I will have the right to get the money invested back from you. Because at the end of the day, your land is worth more. True, you never asked it of me, but you will owe me. I'll get to more details of that another time. But there is a certain owning, you, you owe, you're a Balchayv. I invested money, give it back to me. Here, we're saying that the Shvach is something that's owed to the buyer. But why is it Bechal owed to the buyer? Since this land is stolen land, if Rav Meir will be of the opinion that when land is stolen, there's a penalty, that the robber or whoever comes after the robber, even Beshoigig, loses all of the, of the evaluation. So, and over here it's Ba'ama'aretz. It's even speaking about, an, the Gemara gives an interesting case to show you that it's a Shoigig. What's the case of an Ama'aretz? That the Loyoda de Karka Nixelis, or Yain and Nixelis, interestingly, the Gemara is not saying that the buyer didn't even know it's stolen land. The Gemara is giving another scenario. Even though the buyer knew that the land was stolen, but he thought that there is no difference between Kark and Exelus or Ain and Exelus, he thinks that now that he improved it, he acquired it. So that was his mistake. Bottom line is, the buyer thought that it's really his. Because he's improving it. And really it's not. And now, Vafilo Achi, nevertheless, even though there's a Shoigig element involved here, and you can argue that, 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 that the owner, the original owner, should not be able to take away all of the investment without paying, because that's the rule normally. If I own land and you invest in it, I have to pay you for the money that you invested. Here, the original owner doesn't pay him at all. Is that right that he's being penalized? Now, he's going to try to get the money back from the Ganef. So, good luck. So, if the Ganef still has been a and he gets it. If not, not. But, Vafilo Hachi Kasabal Nevertheless, it's across the board that the owner takes the land back, including the money invested. Again, because if we don't penalize a person who benefited from something that's stolen, then the original owner would already have to give the buyer the improvements. As is the rule by all real estate, that the owner has to give the money that someone else invested in it, even though he, that person did it without his knowledge or consent. The only reason why here will be different is because there was a Geneva involved. But the buyer didn't know that there was a Geneva, or the buyer thought, like the Gemara says, that even though the land was stolen, now that I'm changing it, I'm going to acquire it. So that's a proof that even in a case of Shoigig, the Ganef is penalized. Says the Gemara, Amri, huh, who told you that this whole Braisa that gave these five scenarios is speaking in a case of a Shagik? The buyer is a learned person. He knows that Karke ain't exelus. He knew the land is stolen. And he knew that even though he's going to change the land, he will not acquire it. 
So again, that's why for, he's being penalized. Penalized, not that the gun of the seller doesn't have to compensate. Penalized meaning that the owner doesn't have to deal with the buyer. The owner says, this land is mine. You knew it was stolen. It's mine. I'm taking it back as is. You want to get the money that you invested for improvements? Go to the seller. And here, the dinners, you can only get it from the seller if the seller has been a khayrin. So there's no proof from over here. Yes. But if the original owner is a contract? Nothing to do. Right. Nothing to do. Let's speak about this later. So Tashima. So now the Gemara brings the proof from the Mishnah that we quoted at the end before the, the Ikada Amri. That we're going to learn later the Mishnah that if a person owned wool and he gave it to a dyer and he told the dyer dye it one color and he made a mistake, but he painted it black or he tells him paint it black and he painted it red. And Rav Meir says that what do we do? That the dye plant owner has to give to the wool owner the value of his undyed wool. So says again the Gemara, ah, the made samurai in, the made samurai But he doesn't have to give him back the money for the dyed wool. Now here, he should be like a shagik. It is a shagik. Now, if, according to Rav Meir, we penalize someone who even accidentally steals, so over here, we should really penalize the dye plant owner that you have to compensate him, not for undyed wool, for, the, for dyed wool, dyed wool in the wrong color, but you should have to pay him for more money. That only So it's good. So the bottom line is, is that Rav Meir, coming back to the case of our Mishnah, argues with the din of our Mishnah, not because he fundamentally argues with the concept of Shino, Ikaino, or Einokaino. Rav Meir, like most others, even though according to Abayad, there are five Tanoim that say otherwise, Shino, Ikaino. Really, from fetus to calf, the Ganav should own the calf. And therefore, you should really only have to pay him back $30 and not $50. But we don't want the Ghanav to benefit, so he has to give him back the calf. And therefore, in a scenario where the calf is worth less money than the original Geneva, like we mentioned, a cow that's not pregnant is worth 100. Pregnant cow is worth 130. This calf is only worth 20, then that man will be made to the dinner of our Mishnah. Don't give him back the cow and the calf. Don't give back 120. You stole 130, give back 130. The point is we don't want you to benefit. But really you will kind of it and therefore give back the original value. Now let's move on to Rabbi Yehuda and Abshimin. And as when we learned the Braisa, it's not clear exactly how are they arguing. That Rabbi Yehuda, Aymer, and we're learning Pshat in Rabbi Yehuda the way we learned in our Mishnah. Lashita Srashi. That Gizela Chayzeres Be'enel. So this is the case. Again, a pregnant cow is worth 130. A non-pregnant cow is worth 100. A cow and a calf is worth 100 for the cow and 50 for the calf. So the person stole the pregnant cow. The cow gave birth under the dominion of the robber. So the din is that you return the stolen property as is. Meaning, just the cow. And again, like that, we're going to learn the Rashi inside. It can't be that Rabbi Huda is saying that the Ghanav stole a $130 worth animal and he gives back a hundred. Doesn't mean that. He gives back the cow and he has to compensate the difference. I'm adding these words because this is the whole problem. Well, hold on a second. Rab Shimon Oimer. Rab Shimon, let's after we finish the share. Rab Shimon Oimer, Royan he Shuma Rab Shimon says that the moment he stole the animal, we tell the Ghanav, we consider it as if. You stole $130. 
In other words, evaluate the item that you stole while you stole it, and you from the outside owe that money. All right, there are 130. Subtract the Gemara, my benayu. So I'm an Abzvid, so with these two answers, Chaver Halkop, Rabzvid Rafpapa. So Rabzvid answers, Bishavach, Sha'al, Gabeg, Zeil, Kumifligi. Chaver, we're going to read the Rashi inside. So let's start. Bishavach, Sha'al, Gabeg, Zeil, says Rashi, right, the fourth line from top of the Ahmed. Or it's going into the first narrow line. Keep going. What will be a case that the Ganav stole an animal and it increased in value? while it was under his domain, like for example, he stole an unpregnant animal, and now it became pregnant. And he's returning a pregnant animal. Exactly what does he have to return? He stole an animal that's unpregnant. Or he stole a lamb that did not have any wool on its back, and now it's laddened. So now let's read the whole thing inside Rashi. Laden. So now Rabbi Yehuda holds the nigzal havim. Says Rashi v'hachik amir. Rashi goes back to the first case that Rabbi Yehuda holds that gazla gzeilu chazeres beinel lebaila that you have to return what you took, and that's a statement bein l'shvach bein l'griyusa. Whether what you took now was worth more, what you took is worth less. Kigmoi shehi b'shas tviya bebeizdin. That's he chazeres. Whenever you're doing tshuva or you were caught, you give back what you took as is. Now again, Rashi has to make it clear that if as is is worth less, which is you stole a pregnant cow, and now the cow is not pregnant, Rabbi Huda couldn't have meant just giving back $100. That's not fair. Whenever the animal is worth now, by you have to pay for the difference. I can keep on speaking out. There's no doubt that the, the victim can tell the Ganav, you can't just get away by giving me back the cow. When you stole it, it was pregnant, now it's not. There's a $30 difference, that taka he has to pay. Now, this is different than Ravmeir, like we spoke out. Ravmeir holds, the Ganav has to give him back the cow and the calf. The Afal Gav, as we spoke out, Ravmeir holds, that Shinoi Kaina, the Kana Giza, Uvlad Bishinoi, still Chazin Olei, come on the Kuli Shivcha Kati Allah. Holds that we make believe as if the calf is still on the animal. Give him back everything. Rabbi Huda disagrees and he says, no, only give him back the cow. And the difference. Now, the Rabbi Huda, I only have to give him back the cow as it is right now. And if the owner the victim is going to tell me, Opa, when you stole it, it was worth more, then you have laid the mei, the mei'ikara. He has to give him the difference of that money, which is, how much was it worth when it was latent, latent? How much is it worth when it was pregnant? However, now we'll come back to our case. But now in the case where the animal is worth more, Rabbi Yehuda holds that the Ganev has to give the animal as it is back to the original owner. So he stole something worth 100. Now it's worth 130. So what does Rabbi Huda hold? Give him back the 130. However, on this comes Rabbi Shimon to tell you that no. That we don't say give back the animal as it is right now. The moment you steal something, Ke'ilu Beizdin makes an evaluation. How much is it worth? And that money you owe. So if you stole something that was worth 100, now it's worth 130. You don't give him back 130. You give him back $100. And Rashi holds, you give him back money because it underwent a change. So that change of going from non-pregnant to pregnant 
is Kaina, the whole animal belongs to the Ganav. Let's read it inside. That the robber benefits this increase in value because the Shinoi Kaina. What's the Shinoi? From unpregnant to pregnant. The Ganav owes him the value of the animal as it was when he stole it. Even though no one made an evaluation then, they made an evaluation. So this is clear. Now let's read it inside the Gemara. Rabbi Yehuda holds the nigzal have that this increase, the animal that's pregnant, the lamb that's laden with wool, laden with wool, belongs to the owner. But Rabbi Shimon holds, he takes Shinri Kaina even to this case. Now this is a Gavaldik Echidish. Because what Rabbi Shimon is saying according to Rashi is that you consider the animal itself a changed animal. Unladen to laden, unpregnant to pregnant. And therefore, you only owe him the money. Rabbi Yehuda also holds Shinui Kaina. Rabbi Yehuda, according to this version, only holds Shinui Kaina means from fetus to calf, that's called a Shinui. But a cow from unpregnant to pregnant, that's not called a Shinui. That's the key over here. That's called, so the whole animal changed. Very good. And Rabbi Yehuda, that's the way we're going to learn Pshadavim. And Rabbi Yehuda holds that Shinui Kaina, that's not a Shinui. So this animal itself belongs to the owner. So give the animal back to the owner. You want to cry and tell him what? It now would, you're a Ganef. Return what you stole. That is the way Rabbi Zvid understands Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Papa says like this. Rabbi Papa, Amadukula Alma, Shevach Shal Gabba Everyone holds that the increase value, let's just think about the case of pregnancy, that this fetus belongs the Gazlan Haba. Wow. Belongs to the robber. Not that the cow belongs to the robber, but the increase belongs to the robber. Why? Because from non-fetus to fetus is called the Shinoi. It's a change. That is something new. From Ayin to Yesh. Ain't Yeah, but also the wool bone. That's also... From Ayin, there was no wool, now there's wool. So that which is now on the animal that was not, everyone holds, will belong to the Gazlan, to the robber. The only machlaikas will be, will the robber keep all of it, which is shitas, Rabbi Yehuda, or does the robber only get part of it? How much part? In other words, it was common that people owned animals. They gave it over to a shepherd. And they told the shepherd that all of the increased value that will happen to the animal is something that I, the shepherd, will get paid part of it. That's why I'm working for you. Don't pay me a salary. I want to be a partner in the increase. And if the minute HaMakim is to give the shepherd half, half, a third, a fourth. Yeah. Rabbi Yehuda holds, Shevach, Shal Gabi, Kula, the Nigzal Hava. Wow. Again, it's based. We're not penalizing him. It's a Shino. Again, from Ayin to Yesh. So it fully belongs to... The robber. However, Rab Shimon Savar, that yet yeah, the robber has some of it. Very good. So now the Gemara that has two interpretations of their Machlekes is going to challenge Rav Papa's interpretation. Tanan, going back to our Mishnah, our Mishnah also spoke about this case. That Gazal Pada, if someone stole the cow, and Vinasabra Etzloi, but the Mishnah's case was is that when the robber had it, it got pregnant. When the robber had it, it gave birth. And now the robber is doing tshuva. It's different. So now the question is, what does the robber have to give back? Or, Rachel, he stole a lamb that was after Hasidah Shehirka. That had not a hair on it. And then, but then he shared the wool. 
So our Mishnah says, Mishalim Kishasagzela. He only gives him back the animal as it was when he stole it. Which means all of the addition stays to the Ganif. Now says the Gemara, ah, yeah, he benefits only because now it's no longer in the animal. Inferring, Yolda in. But if Lo Yolda, if it did not yet give birth, it seems from our Mishnah, the robber has to give it all back to the owner. Now, one second. You have to give it back. So according to Rab Zavid, that said that this is something that's a machlekes tanoim, our Mishnah will be Rabbi Yehuda. That the Omar Shvach Shal Gabag Zela, the Nigzal Havala Rabbi Yehuda, belongs to the Nigzal, belongs to the victim. So then, it, perfect. Taka, Rabbi Shimon disagrees with it. But our Mishnah will be Rabbi Yehuda. But according to Rav Papa, that holds that both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon will agree that the robber owns either all of this edition or some of this edition. So our Mishnah is like no one. Yovaldik. Because our Mishnah is implying that it all belongs to the victim. And again, according to Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, according to Rav Papa, the robber owns all of it or some of it. Beautiful. So Papa says, Papa, hold on. Don't infer anything from our Mishnah. Yes, the Mishnah gave a case that it gave birth. But really, even if the animal did not yet give birth, the robber has to, the robber gets to keep all of the development, like whom all of the development will be like Rabbi Huda. Good. I. Why did the Mishnah give a case of Yolda? Because I did the Nasev Reisha Yolda, Nasev Seif, and I'm a Yolda. What was the case of the Reisha? The case of the Reisha was he already stole a pregnant animal. That was the case that we started today's shares with. And then he gave birth. Now you have the quadras he have to give back. So just to give the same type of scenario, we gave the same scenario on the Seifer. But really, who Huadin, if it's going to be Rabbi Yehuda, that if he stole an animal that's not pregnant, and now it's pregnant and he's giving it back now, that Rabbi Huda is going to hold, that the robber acquired the entire increase. Now says the Gemara, not only did we not refute Rav Papa, but Tanya Kavasa the Rav Papa. Because in this B'raisa, we are clarifying Shittas Rav Shimon, that Rav Shimon Oimer, Royin Oisa Ki Ilu Hi Shuma Etzloi Bikesev. In our case, the robber steals an animal that's not pregnant, and now it became pregnant, and now he's returning it. So lemechza lishlish v'lerevia that when he gives back the animal, Rab Shimon Taka says that the robber owns, but he only owns some of the increase. Now, what's not clear is when we say that he owns it, what does that mean? Does he mean that he has a partnership in the meat itself, or does the owner get it and he and he has to pay money? That's the next question. So Amar Ravashi says Ravashi ki avina beirav kano. We were in yeshiva. We inquired the following. That according to Rabbi Shimon, no, it's according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's simple. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the Ganav keeps the entire increase. So when they share it, he takes it. When the animal gives birth, he takes, he takes the baby. Good. But according to Rabbi Shimon, that there's a partnership. Yeah. Well, he stole the animal when it was worth 100. And he's giving him back 100. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. But he's giving him back the animal now because the animal is carrying a baby. But after he'll take the calf, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the whole increase goes to the Ganath. The owner got stolen 100, got back 100. But according to Rabbi Shimon, that says that there's a partnership. So the question is that who the Shakul Gazlan, when we make 
our agreement now with the robber. How ironic. The robber's nach is getting paid. Is it bidimei misalkinalei? Do we send him off by giving him the value of whatever the current market would give to someone who would do this honestly? A half, a third, or a fourth? I don't know that the concept of shinui kaina, at least part kaina, means that he owns part of the animal itself. That mibisra shakul. That he's an owner in the, in the item itself. When we had this question in yeshiva, we resolved it from the following statement. What's the statement? That there are three scenarios where we assess the improvement they made to the land. We're going to give three scenarios where someone added value to land and they have to be compensated for it or value was increased. However, and we have to give them that increase, but we never have to give them that from the land. There are the following three cases. We remove them only by giving them the value of the increase. Case number one. says Rashi like this. There's a din that gets Pishnayim. Simple case. A father had two sons. When the father passes away, the state is not divided into two. The state is divided into three. So one son actually gets two-thirds, and one son gets a third. Now, what happens if when the father passed away, the land had a certain amount of value? And before they divided the land, but after the father passed away, the land went up. Rashi gives an example, another 12 zuz. All of the increase in value that happened after the patriarch passed away, on that they divided equally. But hold on a second. The increase is not an increase that's floating in the air. It's increase in the land. Now the Bukhar is getting two-thirds. So let's just forget about the value of the land. Let's look at this 12 zuz increase in the land. If the Bukhar is getting double, so how much money is he getting from this 12 zuz? Eight. Because you divide it into three. Right? Four, four, four. He's getting eight. But how much money does he really own in this increase? Only six. So how much money does he owe to his younger brother? Two. So you have the same question. Is Pshat that the younger brother now gets to keep another parcel of land that has the value of the two? So, the, so Shmuel says no. That the Bukhar who owns him the two zoos, I'm getting two-thirds of the land. I Now I'm getting wrongfully an additional two zoos. I'll pay you money for that. That's case number one. Case number two is Same case. Let's read inside the Rashi. It's Mamash to the left. Right in the land. Wait, 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 wait! Don't jump, don't jump, because Machlekes Rishayim. Ubalchayv lolekeiach zotrashi. Right, go to the left, two, three lines down, probably ten lines from the bottom. Balchayv hatoyev lekuches bishvulchayv sheishle alamoicher. We're gonna get back to this case a lot. We'll see how much we can learn about this. A normal case. I'm a. I lent you money. You owe me money. You defaulted. So I'm going. I'm going to collect from. Uh, your land. You already sold your land. What do I care? I go to your buyers. And I take that land. Says Rashi. If the loikeach made the land worth more money, we're learning here, the lender doesn't have rights to that increase. So let's say, I'll say you, I lent you $100. I'm giving this case right now. You own land that's worth $100. So that land became lean to the loan. You sold the land. But now the buyer made the land worth 120. I now am coming to collect my $100. You don't have any properties left. Good, I go to the buyers and I take the land from them. 
I don't have a right to that $20. So here again, what's, what's going to happen here? Do we say that I have to leave some of the land to the buyer? Or I take the whole land because the land was lean to me. The fact that you increased the value in the land, you planted more trees, I'll give you the $20, which is what we do. No, we don't allow that difference of price to give the current owner rights in the thing itself. Money is owed. And now the third case is mamish the same. It's the same case. Oh, there's a balchayv. He's not getting it from the buyers. He's getting it from the yisoyimim. The yisoyimim added value, but their father owned money. Same thing. The, so the balchayv has to give them back the 20, but the yisoyimim cannot claim rights to the land. You're masalkin lebedamim. Now, there's mamish two opposite ways that the Rishonim learned this Gemara. One way is by saying that since Shmuel, Rav Nachman Amar Shmuel said that in these three cases, you're masalkin lebedamim, L'chura, that means only in these three cases. But we're going to go with Toysavis, Toysavis, second to last Toysavis in the Amit says that even though he said three, the three Toysavis inside, Shloisha, Shomalim, Ashashavach, that Afal Gav, Diktani, Gimel, Tanavishayer. This concept that he didn't give all the cases. And therefore, the same case will be in the case of the original owner gets all of the calf. Rab Shimon, like Rabbi Yehuda, somewhat holds Shinui Kaina. So at least the Ganef owns some of the calf, but he doesn't get any of the Basar. The original owner, like in these three cases, according to Taisu's Nani, will send, will, will be Mesalik and Bidonim. So now says the Gemara, okay, very nice. But you're telling me that Shmuel gave in the second case that we learned that the creditor has to give him back the value of the Shabbach? That's not so simple. Yeah, we have two minutes. Let's start this. We'll continue with this tomorrow. Me, Amar Shmuel, did Shmuel indeed say that the Balchayv has to give the Lekeach the additional value? Again, I lent you money, $100. These numbers will be the answer now. You have land. Before the, you have land, so the land is leaned to the loan. Then you went ahead, you the, the borrower, you sold the land to Elikeach. I'm coming to collect my money. You say, Ainly. Okay? I go and I see if you, have, if you have unsold property. If you don't have unsold property, I go to the Lekuchas and I take the land. Now what happens if that buyer invested money in the land? So Shmuel says, I keep the additional added value. I don't have to give anything back. Forget about the question, do I have to give it back? Can I get away giving you money? I get to keep the Shabbat. So, so that has to be clarified. First of all, what will be the logic in that? But here we have a student, Shmuel. So Amalei, so answered Ravashi. No, 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 Laikasha. Khan, Rav Nachman's case, Rav Nachman Amar Shmuel, is when does the Balchayv have to give back the value in money, but he has to give it back to him. That's B'Shavach HaMegiel Likisei When he collected the land, let's speak about the fact that the land is worth more because there's produce in it. So it depends whether the produce still needs the land. It's not ripe. If it still needs the land, it's considered part of the land. Since the land is leaned to the creditor, it belongs to the creditor. So it's my land, it's my Shavach. When did Rav Nachman say he has to give it back? That's, for example, if there were grains, the grains are up to your shoulders. Which means it's already fully ripe. It's fully grown. The Khan in the latter statement of Shmuel is Bishavach, She'ein Magelik is fine. And therefore it's part of the land. And since the land is lean to the debt, so the Balchayv owns the land. 
So Amalei, so he told him, no, 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 no. That there were times, a fact, that even when the produce did not need the land, Shmuel allowed the creditor to keep the produce. So Amalei said, Avashi clarified, like Kasha, let's hop the beginning of the answer. Ha-am. The masik leikishir out of a shivcha. That when do we say that the creditor gets to keep the improvements without compensation? That is, if the amount of the land with the improvements is needed to cover the debt. In other words, I lent $100. The land with the improvement is worth $100, so I get to keep it. Because all of that was owed to me. Ha! In the case of Rav Nachman, is the loy masik bei el kishir ara. Where, like that was example we spoke out. I lent you $100. You had land that's worth $100. You, Chacham, you sold it. So now that you default, I have the right to collect it. But the buyer now made the land worth 120 How much money was owed to me? Only 100 So that's where I think I have to pay back the 20 And on that says Nachman HaMashmol, I don't have to give you a piece of land worth 20 I, I give you back the May. And I keep the $120 worth. That's, we'll, we'll leave it all fair and we'll take up Lamamashan Middle in Mirza Hashem tomorrow.